Abba Yahweh, this day, thank you again. This day that you've created. Bless me with this time. Walk with me, teach me, Father God. Thank you for allowing me still to be your conduit that runs through your treasury, Father God, to, to be in with your jewels, your gems, your precious stones of your word that, that just fill this treasury, Father God. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your trust. Thank you, Father God, with this walking with me. Teach me, Lord Jesus, thank you for the blood that you sacrificed for me. And whosoever will hear and listen and know the truth, Holy Spirit, for walking and guiding. Abba Yahweh, Amman. Yeshua, Amman. Baraklitos, Amman. All are praiseworthy, indeed, are praiseworthy. So, um, brothers and sisters, sharing a little with you this morning. Um, couple important aspects that I have, I have found here and it's very important that when um, I shared with you that the engagement with God it's important to stay engaged and that means that our mind is set right that we focus on God it's it's um it's not an easy thing I'm I'm here not to to elevate myself in any way, shape, or form, because this is not about me. This is about testimony to the Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, all that have promised to be with us, whithersoever we go, by God's word, and Jesus Christ telling his disciples, and it's word for all of us, that he will be with us until the end of the age. He comes again. He's promised that he will walk with us. And when he left, he told the disciples, which includes us, brothers and sisters, that the comforter will come, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. What good is a comforter if you throw it on the back of the couch? And it's only to look at. Get a little chill and you go to take it down, then you get hot out. Oh, no, 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 no. That's just to look at. You can't use that. That's just to look at. It's a decoration. So if you treat the Holy Spirit the comforter and you don't use it it's of no use God's spirit comes to help us we have to talk to the Holy Spirit we can pray through the Holy Spirit we can talk to the Holy Spirit we can pray to God we can Jesus Christ came for a lot of reasons it wasn't just for sacrificing to save us. That was the import for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe and listen and hear and follow and believe on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He came so that we would have life and have life more abundantly. He came for the, to be the light of the world. It's a dark place, brothers and sisters. It is dark. But he came for all of that. And he said that he would be with us. And he was leaving. He knew, he knew that the disciples had an issue, and, and it's it's in the scripture, and we can read it. They felt comfortable when Jesus was there. 
And even when he was there, they still had some problems. I mean, look, they got on the boat and went out into Galilee. And these fishermen that had been on the sea before and those that lived around Galilee, they knew that the winds would come across that water at odd times and whenever, and it would cause storm. They got on the boat with Jesus to go to the other side, and it came became stormy. And Jesus was laying down, taking a nap. He was swore out. He was tired. He was speaking all day. He was a man. Remember, many of his heavenly virtues he left behind. And he was still a man. And they went and they woke him up. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They'd been walking with him. They'd been watching him do miracles. They'd been hearing his teaching. They were walking with the Son of God, and they decided that he was him. But yet, they got on that boat, and it got stormy, and it got tossed. And they came back, and they had to wake him up. And what did he tell? Oh, ye of little faith. And he raised his hands, and he just said, Peace be still. And then there were some that were in the group that said, oh my goodness gracious, who is this? That he can command the winds and they obey. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, they had, some, they had some issues going on back and forth. You know, they had some things. But look at it here, brothers and sisters, in this time, in this day, in this age, you have individuals that will make every excuse under the sun possible for not having faith in God and being able to believe God. Oh, I can't believe in God because I can't see him. I can't believe in God because he's just letting all this stuff happen in the world. I can't believe in God because he's not such a good God. He's not. How am I going to believe in God because he sends people to hell? Well, here's the thing. The Bible says that God is is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When God created us, he gave us free will choice. He didn't want us to be robots and just follow around. He gave us choice. He, the love is greater if you choose to share it. If you choose to give and commune with somebody in agape love, that is much greater than just robotically following and robotically doing. Then it becomes nothing but ritualistic attitude. There is no love. And God is also a just and true God. There are things that he will not tolerate because he is just and true Remember, brothers and sisters, when his only begotten son came and sacrificed himself, was on the cross. And at the very moment that the sins of the world came on him, and this was shortly before he died, he cried out to God, my God, my God, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment, God turned his back on his son because he knew that the sins of the world, the entire world, all the people had been taken on to him. 
and our Father God couldn't look on the Son because he was filled with sin and covered with sin. He came to fulfill that purpose, to give us the opportunity. And it pained his Father to look away. You think that God does not feel things? It pained him to look away from his only begotten Son who came to die for us, to be sacrificed for us. It pained him. But at the moment of the fulfillment of the purpose that Jesus came for, Jesus Christ, he looked back on his son and Jesus declared, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus went through the things that he did with faith in his father, that he would come and be sacrificed, they would take him and lay him in a tomb and roll the stone over that sepulcher, that grave, sealing him in. But his faith in his father, knowing that his father would raise him again, and he did on the third day, as promised. And when they came to look into the tomb, they found that the stone, which probably was at least a ton, and the way that those things were made back in the day, and this man, remember this, this man, Joseph of Arimathea, was a wealthy man, and he came and asked for the body of Jesus Christ, and they were gonna place him in his tomb that he had purchased and had carved out. And this stone was very large and it was made, there was a, there was a trenching in the front so that the, the stone could be moved and manipulated and wedged so that the burial took place and then the stone was rolled into the front of the tomb. You couldn't just go up, you, the, the disciples just couldn't go up. If they were going to steal the body, they couldn't just go up to the tomb and roll the stone away. You had to have a crew, a crew. When they came, the stone had not just been rolled out of the way, but you remember that it was set beside in a field apart, and there was an angel sitting on it. And the angel questioned them when they came, said, who are you looking for? He's not here. He told you he wasn't going to be here. He's not here. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> faith in God and so many excuses that people don't, that they'll just lay out there for not having faith in God. One of the greatest things is that God is allowing all this stuff to go on and happen. Well, that's because they're trying to figure things out with a finite mind that we don't have the understanding for. His ways are higher than our ways. His knowledge is much greater than ours, and he knows and he foresees things that are coming ahead. He already knows he's walked it. And be aware that the allowance of certain things to happen is for the growth of faith and 
Yes, indeed, for a testing. For the truth, brothers and sisters, for truth. And understand this too, that God didn't create hell just to punish and throw people in. Hell was created for the containment of Satan and his his minions that decided to rebel and follow him into that abyss. And that's what it's going to be for when Christ comes again. But here's the thing, too, that they've been busy down there expanding because they said, you know what, we're going to have company down here. We're going to have company. Because you know what? I'm going to make it so people don't want to follow God. I don't, I'm going to make it so people don't want to believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, they're going to follow me. We better, we better build some more apartment complexes down here because we're going to need the space. Brothers and sisters, the expansion of hell are for those that choose not to listen, not to believe, and not to have faith. And there are those that are that way. Sadly, there are even members of the body that started out believing, having faith, and have decided to turn their back because why they gave up on their faith. Brothers and sisters, the enemy comes at me hard and daily. This is, again, not for my vain glory, brothers and sisters. This is to testify But God has a purpose in my life. God is doing something in my life. And the closer that I get with him, the harder the enemy comes. There are so many things that are coming and the voices that come. And the trouble comes if we follow those voices and we listen. And sometimes that happens even in the guise of your quote unquote friends if they're leading you down a primrose path and they're not having you to be able to go to church because you decide you want to be with them or you're going to church. Here's the other thing too, now that I brought that up. I'm going to flip real quick. Church is not a clubhouse, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. It's not a clubhouse. You don't go to hang out with the friends and those people that are there. You go to fellowship. You go to worship. And you go to learn about God. That's why you try the spirit before you cross the threshold of any church. Are they teaching from the word of God? Are they teaching in truth? Is there true fellowship here? Try the spirit and the Holy Spirit will let you know if you're supposed to be there or not. If you go to hang out just because your friends go there or your quote unquote friends go there then you're going because it's a clubhouse. You're not going to worship God. You're not going to hang out with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to listen to the word. You're going to hang out with friends. I had to do a serious self-examination before I got really walking hard and falling hard. I was going because, you know, and all this this, this falsehood that's being pushed out there on everyone is a source of derisiveness and derision and separation. And I was I was becoming quite anxious, actually. I was not following the word in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. And I had become that way because 
You couldn't go to church. You had to do Zooming. You had to watch online. We couldn't even do our life group meetings in person. It all had to be online. This big group thing that we had going. It's, it's not the same thing. It was nice to see everyone, but man, not being able to touch them, shake hands, put your arms around them, and give them a holy kiss, which we're all told to do. There's even some that freak out about that, but we are all told to greet one another with a holy kiss. Jesus kisses. God kisses. What's the problem with you fellows out there seem to have an issue with that? I've run into them. Oh, I, 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 I'm too macho for that. No, 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 no. The word tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss. You embrace, give a quick peck on the cheek. I do that with some of them. Some of the men and stuff when I hug. And, and you know what? One that spoke up has just resigned himself to the fact that that's going to happen and just gave up on it. Didn't complain. But brothers and sisters, we're, we are told. And Jesus said that, that there are, if there are friends that you have that are, or that you claim to be friends, remember this too, that if they are your true friends, that they will be there for you. If you need the shirt off their back, they would be willing to give it to you, but as also as a true friend that you wouldn't ask for it unless you really did need it. And they know that. And you know in reverse that they would give it to you if you needed it. So when they give it to you, they do it because you know you wouldn't have asked unless you did. So they're happy to do so. However, there are some that call themselves friends, but they would, they, they're the last person you want to ask for anything. They want to remind you constantly that you did. Then they're going to constantly ask, well, when are you going to give it back? When are you going to give it back? When are you going to pay me back? When are you going to give it back? When and they're actually quite obnoxious. And Jesus has called some of these folks, a, they're like a millstone around your neck. You know what a millstone is? It's pretty heavy. It's got a big hole in the middle and they use it for grinding the grain. And they could be very large, very heavy, and they could be small. That they can be pushed around by a man. And then there are others that you have to yoke up a, either oxen or a mule to it and, and run it. But they're like a millstone around your neck. They weigh you down. They take you into areas that you don't belong or that you shouldn't be. And if they are doing that, then you, they cannot be counted as friends. If they know of your faith, they know what your belief is, and yet they draw you away and draw you away from that thing that you should be taking care of and being about that business, then they're not your friends and you need to cut the cord and let them go so that you can swim back to the surface and get out of the darkness of the depths that they're drawing you into and swim back to the surface and be in the light. <coughs> Pardon me, brothers and sisters. Sorry about that. We have to try to stay conscious of Jesus Christ coming and doing what he did and conscious of the Holy Spirit that we're told to pray to and through for guidance through the day. And brothers and sisters, trying to do that through the course of the day, it's not an easy thing. There are so many distractions, so many things doing. 
But Paul writes his letters and tells us that we need to do that. We need to practice these things. We need to practice meditating on the Lord. We need to practice staying in the word, study to show thyself approved, all these things that Paul spoke of. And through the course of the day, I find it difficult to do sometimes, but I'm drawn back into it and I throw these prayers out. I've shared with you before, I call them bullet prayers. They're just really fast. They're not a lengthy prayer. They're just a fast thing. Holy Spirit, I need you, the situation. And sometimes I forget. And when I forget, it becomes a muddled mess. Just like in the in the uh, Hebrews in the Hall of Faith, I shared with you about here. And in Hebrews 11, it talks about all the faith. It talks about those that came through. And, and uh, it also talks about those that, forgot for a moment and they blew it until they realized and they came back and said, God, forgive me, I'm sorry. And Jesus Christ reminded us, reminded his disciples, but he reminds us because we are his disciples. And he is with us Always. And not just for the disciples then. It's for all of us that follow and believe that he is the only begotten son of God. We have faith in God. His presence is here for us. The Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us. Jesus Christ is for our protection. Going through some things right now and the enemy keeps coming back and throwing these things in my head and I, I keep praying and, and then the Lord sends me the scriptures and sends me the studying time that I'm in this and reminded that Jesus Christ is with me always reminded me of how powerful that is brothers and sisters the only begotten son of God has promised to be with us always God has promised to be with us always our Father, the maker of all things made, has promised to be with us wherever we go and promised that the Holy Spirit will guide us wherever we go to help to teach us. And when we have some stumbling block, we don't know how to pray that we can call to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will give us utterance and take us to the throne of God. Brethren and sisters, these promises and truths are very apparent in the word. And he wouldn't have shared it with us and put it in his treasury that I am so blessed with being able to get into and share with you. And as we go through life, we know that there's many Oh, brothers and sisters, there's many traps. There's many things that are out here that'll draw us in. And if these so-called friends that are trying to draw you to their attention and draw you away from where you should be, they're doing so willingly and knowingly, and sometimes they do it spitefully. They claim to be your friend, but they want to try to get you away from church. Oh, watch this. I'm going to get Bobby away from Sunday today. I got a game. I got a barbecue. I got the man. I'm going to get him away from church. 
oh, we're going to get Jane. She's going to go on a shopping trip with us. She's going to go out of town with us. We've got this trip planned, and we're going to get her. And there's not going to be any time for church. Not going to have time for all that holy rolling mumbo jumbo. We're getting her on a shopping trip. We haven't we haven't done this since we were in college, or we haven't done this since we were in school. Seriously, brothers and sisters, there are individuals that are like that, and you might choose not to see it. But therein is the important word: you might choose not to see it. Instead of trying the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit will also help you in that point, not only when you cross the threshold of a church to try the Spirit, if you should be there, are they teaching the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of God, the Father, the Creator, and Maker of all things made? Or are they a falsehood? Are they a lie? Are they teaching false doctrine? And the Holy Spirit will take you away. Same thing applies to these individuals that claim to be your friends. Are they speaking truth? Or are they looking to draw you away? And are they a pitfall? Are they a millstone around your neck? The Holy Spirit will guide. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will guide in truth. He's going to let you know what they're up to. You just have to ask. And then, of course, there are those of us that won't ask because... They're afraid of the answer. I was like that. I didn't want to hear God say no. I didn't want to have God refuse. But here's the thing too. <laughs> the Holy Spirit reminded me of this, that my mother used to use this against me quite often. Unfair wisdom of mothers. Her favorite phrase was no is an answer too. When you're trying to get an answer for something, you want the yes answer, but no is an answer too. And the no might be for a temporary purpose. God knows what is best. God knows what we need, what we need, what we need, not what we want, what we need. And what we need might not be that thing that we're whining and crying about. So he says, no, because he knows that it's not good for us. The Holy Spirit knows if these alleged friends are your friends or if they'll be a millstone. Don't you think it would be more of a friend for this guy to say, John, I know, I know church, you got this uh, thing going on that you do over there. And he says, I tell you what, I'm going to uh, I'm going to tape the game and we're going to do barbecue and all that stuff. And, and uh, I'd really like you to be there. But I know that church is important to you. So you go and we'll have it on tape and we'll do barbecue after church. And then, of course, your response could be whatever it's going to be, but you're going to say something like, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to go and, um, you know, I'll check with wife or if you're married and, and, uh, if you're not, then you decide to say, yeah, I'll, I'll be there probably about one, two o'clock after church. And then I got to put some things away and, and then we'll be, we'll be good. Cool. We'll start 
cooking at about, uh, we'll start cooking at about 1230 or so. Things will be ready. And then when you show up, we can just sit down and eat and, and watch the game. Now, wouldn't that be more of a friend than, oh, come on, man. The game is starting at 1 o'clock. The game is starting at 10. Whenever it starts, it doesn't matter. Come on, get to the game. You can go to church any Sunday. This is a special game. Come on, man, this is an opening season game. Or this is a final countdown. If they don't win this, they're not. And all, and they start throwing all this stuff at you. I'm trying to talk you out of going to the house of God. I'm trying to talk you out of going to worship. I don't have a lot of people that clamor and try to get me talked out of that. And usually if anybody talks me out of anything that's in the midst of Sunday, I don't go anyway. There's very little that keeps me from getting to church. I ride a motorcycle, and that's my only form of transportation. I've even used other forms of transportation when the storm was really bad or predicted to be really bad and couldn't get thunder, lightning, and all that stuff and couldn't get over. Church is a little bit of a ways away, so I didn't ride a bike. Got into the Bible and anyway, got in the Word, studied, or I use another form of transportation, which is not always readily available. But these pitfalls and these, all these other supposed friends and voices that try to draw you away from the path that God's walking with us, trying to get you to fall off, and the enemy. Remember, he's always trying to nudge you off that edge of that pathway to fall off. He's trying to push you off as best he can and uses your so-called friends. They can be manipulated, especially if their heart's not in tune with God and the Holy Spirit, if they don't have the faith. The enemy can use them, manipulate them, and have their, their friendship thrown up in your face behind your faith. Are you willing to give that up? I ask that because Jesus gave up his throne. He set his crown down. In faith of his father, he knew that he would come back, but he gave it up and said, I'll go. I'll do this thing. <coughs> and brothers and sisters, this was not an easy thing for him to do. Remember on that night before he was taken by those scoundrels, that had vaunted themselves so high and so arrogantly above everyone else. They came to take him in the midst, in the darkness in the night. And even then, Jesus rebuked them and had an issue with him. He said, all the opportunities that you had to lay hands on me when I was in the temple, when I was around over there, and you didn't take that advantage then, because why? They were cowardly. They were cowardly. They had to do it in the dark away from the people because Jesus spoke with authority and many people followed him because of that authority. That authority that Jesus Christ has preeminates him before he even gets someplace. I mean, the demons, when he went to that, that man that was in the tombs and the guy was running wild, naked, People were afraid of this guy. 
And then he came right up to Jesus. And the many demons that were in him, they th he threw himself down at Jesus' feet and says, we know who you are, Jesus, the son of God. Why comest thou to persecute us? They recognize his authority. Nobody introduced him to this man. Nobody introduced him, said, hey, you demon-possessed crazy man, get over here. Jesus is here. He wants to talk to you. Nobody did that. Nobody did. Jesus just stepped on the ground and walked. And the man came and threw himself at Jesus' feet. I think there's a twofold purpose here, myself and my perception in reading this thing. I'm kind of thinking, could be wrong, could be right. I'm not sure because I can't find anything to back this up. But I'm thinking that the earthly man that was inside was still trying to resist, but they were ganging up on this guy, something. And he wanted help, but he didn't know how to ask for it because the demons were too busy beating up his inside man and they were working him over and causing people around him to be frightened and afraid of him. Guy was like an animal. And Jesus said, who are you? We are legions because we are many. There were many spirits in this guy. No wonder he was so beleaguered. And Jesus cast them out. And they went into the swine and the swine went and jumped in the ocean and drowned. But took the spirits out of them. So let me ask you this, are not sometimes friends like those demons? I don't want to, don't want to use that exact analogy and don't get your knickers in a twist over this because it's factual and it's truth. They're clamoring to pull your attention from this and that and only on them. Those demons that possess us, man, they, they wanted his attention. They didn't want him to be around people. They didn't want him to be socializing. They didn't want him to have any other friends. They wanted him. They wanted him. I use that analogy because it's that way. And they work at having us to stumble. But I share too with you that in the scripture, this is great. Paul writes to in his letter to the Hebrews, um, going in chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What's he talking about? Okay. Cloud of witnesses, those are, the, those are the members of the body of Christ, so many around that have, have the opportunity to uplift us, exhort us, encourage us. We are surrounded by those people, brothers and sisters. Those are the ones that we need to seek out and, and look for. And not the ones that want to make fun of us, beleaguer us, tear us down, and talk us away from going to church on Sunday or doing what we should be doing. You know, and, and, and back to those ladies that are going on a shopping spree and a trip. Oh, that's all well and good. 
But instead of going away and getting away from church, yeah, we're going to get her away from church. She's not going to go. We're going to have her with us. So we're doing some shopping. Well, how about this? Say, Jane, we haven't done this since we were in school. Let's, we're going to leave town. We, we have this really great road trip planned. We, we even rented an RV or we all, we put in or we got this really great deal on tickets because we're, we're going together as a group, either by train, plane, or automobile. But we're going to go. But we also found over in this great, man, we found this awesome church. Let's go to church there and away. We'll go to church for you. We'll hang out with you. And then we'll do our shopping after church. We'll do lunch. We'll do dinner. We'll, we'll make it a great Sunday. We'll make it a great trip. Ah, now those friends would be some that you would like to have around. And then when you go and you're praying to the Holy Spirit and they don't know it because you're speaking through your meditation and your heart and you're letting your heart speak through the Holy Spirit to the heart of God, God is love. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. The cloud of witnesses come around your friends and they get saved and they confess. Woo, what a great outing. So, Brothers and sisters, I'm just saying we have choices. In verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Ah, there's that, there's that thought process again in your minds. Remember, brothers and sisters, that term mind games, <laughs> that's not an empty term. Satan plays mind games because he knows that our mind is the weakest, weakest point of attack. It doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess may be. The mindset. Man, I've been having some troubled thoughts in these past few days. He's working on me. I'm telling you, he's working on me. But I refuse to give in. I refuse to give up that race. And when Paul talks about a race, it's not a speed race, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> this is not a sprint. This is a marathon run. A marathon run. It's a run of endurance. A run of length. A run of time. We're not going to finish in 20 minutes and then go get something cool to drink and take a shower and unwind. Not that kind of a race. This is going to take a, a lifetime for many. So, are you going to hold on to the thought of Jesus in your mindset? Are you going to consider all those things? 
And I'm going to jump over to 1315. The Lord just took my eyes right there. The Spirit took my eyes right to this and, and got my little highlight arrow and stuff on there. It's kind of cool that he pointed these things out, these tools that I can use. Chapter 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Wow. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So when you come and you say, God, thank you. I know who you are. You are worthy. You are praiseworthy. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Paraklitos, Aman. Praiseworthy is a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praiseworthy they are indeed. Indeed. So, I'm going to jump over here in Matthew. This is uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples after he was crucified and asked for his resurrection. So, here you have on the day that Jesus promised that he would be, you had Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. There were, there were women that followed Jesus. They had food. This is something that the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin had issue with. Man, they had issues with everything. Everything that Jesus was about, they had issues. Why? Because Jesus spoke with authority. They did not speak with authority. They spoke with book knowledge. They spoke with written knowledge. And you had these two factions. They were actually at each other all the time. Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees were, by the letter of the written law, the Pharisees had the idea that, you know, maybe there is something here and we can alter this. And then, of course, you had Nicodemus who had a conversation with Jesus Christ, who had inklings in his own mind that, that what Jesus was saying was true and that why couldn't it be that way? And then, of course, he began getting ridicule and unfortunately kind of caved. But you had the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and then, of course, you had those that were <coughs> placed in authority that were would judge between the two and decide who was right and who was wrong, what authority they had. Who knows? They just elected them, <laughs> elected officials. Yeesh. But at any rate, so they looked at everything bad and everything negative about Jesus. But here you had Mary. They had issues that women were, were around. They, women were, were a low class. This is why uh, in Mammon, when they were talking about the feeding of the 5,000 and the loaves and the fishes and those miracles, you have to understand something. Let's, let's magnify this to what it was supposed to actually be. That at that time, it was traditional. And in many of the uh, literal translations, you will find that they followed that tradition. That men, because they were the head of the house, they were the ones that were counted the husband, the man. So there were 5,000 at that sitting, except 
that also during that time, and it said at least 98%, if not more, were married. So now we're going to take that 5,000 and we're just going to, just for ease of mathematics, we're going to go ahead and times that by two. So now you have 10,000 sitting to eat. And also during that time of tradition and culture, there were two to four children in a household, sometimes more, sometimes only one. But let's magnify and we'll say, we're going to, we'll just say for the ease of mathematics and nothing else, and it doesn't have to be correct, but this just gives you an idea. So we're going to go ahead and now we're going to magnify that 10,000 because you have a married couple. And we're going to say that each of that, of those married couples, they had four children that came. What's four times 10? 40. So mathematically, instead of 10,000 husbands and wives, and now you add their children. So now you have 40,000 people coming to listen to Jesus Christ teach. <laughs> now, it may not have been that number. It may not have been. But Jesus said 5,000. Those were the men that were sat. Maybe they weren't all married. Maybe half of them were married, whatever. Then it gets into speculative mathematics and you have more. But I did my math for just for ease. And you have to see that this miracle is actually not exactly finite because culturally and in many translations, they spoke of the men, 5,000 men were there, but they were married. So now that number goes to 10,000. And if they brought two children with them, okay, so 40,000 is too many. Let's divide that in half. We'll say that each of those married couples only had two children. But remember, culturally at that time, anywhere from two to four children, sometimes more. So we'll say two. So now you have 10,000 times two is 20. So you still had 20,000 people sitting down to listen to Jesus Christ teach and that he magnified blessings on them and fed them with loaves and fishes. And they still collected enough left to take with them. Brothers and sisters, there were enough people there to hear Jesus Christ teach and that were fed by a miracle to fill a modern college football stadium. What's the seating capacity in a modern stadium? I don't know. I went to a game at TCU. It's pretty ginormous. But brothers and sisters, this is what faith, this is the authority that Jesus Christ has. And he still has. And brothers and sisters, this is what he's promised to be with us. If we stay focused on him, we meditate on him, think on him, stay in his word. But here's the other thing in, in Matthew 28. Starts in verse 20, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna start back up a little bit. 
So Mary and the other Mary went to the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Remember I told you that. That big old stone was rolled away, set aside, and the angel was sitting on it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as stone. For the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Angel was sent. And remember that there were those that were set on guard around the sepulcher, and they were not to let, because they were fearful that the disciples would come and try to take his body. And they were also bribed and told to tell everyone that they did come and take him. Only problem with that is that they didn't see it happen. And it would have taken a whole lot of people to move that stone. And the disciples were not going to be able to do it. And so you're going to tell me that a whole crew and a whole team of individuals coming to roll that stone away were not going to be noticed? And that where were the guards if they, what, did they just step aside and let them roll the stone away and take the body? So there's a whole lot of things that don't make a whole lot of sense that they didn't really think out but they just wanted this story to be told and they paid these guys to tell the story and to go through the town and tell everybody. So they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Uh, what were you doing sleeping? Why weren't you on watch like you were told to do? and that your Roman commanders told you to do for the sake of the Pharisees and the Sadducees whining and crying. Why weren't you on guard? Why weren't you on watch? So the story is just falling apart. Romans wouldn't have been asleep so that they could come and get, they would have had a watch on while others slept and then that watch went and woke up the others and roused them and made sure that they were on watch before they went to sleep but they paid them off and said, hey, we fell asleep and they came and took Jesus' body. So there's a problem there. And they took the money and did as they were told. And they went and told the people that he left. Then you had the 11 disciples, because remember that Judas was no longer a member of that group. And they went where Jesus said he would be. And they worshiped him. And then, of course, 
very typical, and some doubted. You had some that doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is with us all the time. His power and authority has been given to us. We are his disciples. He gave it to them at that time, but we are his disciples. It is what we are called to do. We are called to be about our Father's business. We are called to share the word of God, and that's what we're intended to do. And that's my intention. I will always be sharing the word of God. Pray for my strength. I pray for my strength and courage and uprightness and boldness to be able to continue this. The enemy is coming hard and fast and really trying to knock me off my walk. But that's okay because I count that joy. It's hard to say that, but I thank God because that's telling me that I'm doing something correctly. I'm doing what God has me planned to do, and it makes the enemy nervous. And that, as a, from a military standpoint, some of you may remember or not or not have heard me say it, but I am a veteran. And tactically, it's a good thing to have your enemy nervous. That's a good thing. And they come at you pretty hard sometimes, and he is definitely coming at me hard. But you know what? It's a good thing because in my Lord Jesus Christ, I am counted in that sheep's fold, and I like that. And I have what I need, not everything I want, but brothers and sisters, we have to be cautious in the way we think toward things and the manner of our thought because God knows what we really need. And many times, as mammon, we forget the difference between need and want. We confuse the two, or we tend to use them synonymously. They're not. God knows what we need. I have what I need through his strength. And that's really very cool. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. And as I share with you often, I pray on my going out, my coming in, and during the course of the day. Your courage, your boldness, your uprightness. Do not step down in cowardice. Do not step aside in compromise. If it's not right in God's eyes, it's not right in mine. But remember this too, that ideology and person, they are not synonymous. You must separate. The ideologies may be an abomination, but the person is still worthy of prayer deserves prayer and has an opportunity for repentance. Repentance means changing one's mind, changing one's direction. And praying over them or praying for them helps them with that opportunity. And that's our purpose. Share the word of God and give everyone an opportunity to choose. Be blessed. Have a great day.